This is part two of the Ghost of Doctor podcast, Who Gore It Better? So let's talk about the negatives of everything. Um, the movie, the, uh, the well, the book first, then the TV miniseries, then the movies. Let's just go down the line, because if we're going to decide which is the um, the best version of it, we're going to have to weigh the pros and the cons. Well, the book weighs more, so... I think you're taking things a little literally. But seriously, it's really long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess that is that is kind of a negative, is the fact that it... Uh, the book is really, really long. It's actually... It's much longer than it... I don't know. I don't know if I want to say it's much longer than it needs to be. What do you, a lot of people think it's uh, Stephen King's masterpiece, but it's a brick, it's a brick fucking wall to climb. Um, and it's not all, you know, it's not all grabbing your attention all the time. It's not always a page turner that sometimes you get into some minutia and you're like, well, geez, if it wasn't Stephen King's 40th book, it probably wasn't, but you know, maybe his 14th or something like that. But if it wasn't his like 14th book, if it had been his first, there's no way it wouldn't have been edited down significantly. So yeah, I could see that being an actual negative. Uh, other negatives involving the book. The aforementioned uh, scene that we didn't really discuss in detail, but everybody knows about. Um, it's, you know, there is an argument for doing things and like artfully and it's just, but it's just a, it's just a weird, creepy, um, out of place thing to have in the book. I mean, it, it's like the Lolita question, right? At what point is it uh, is it weird and perverse? At what point is it art? Uh, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, Lolita is a way shorter book. So, you know, you can get away with some stuff like that. I think if it would have been really, really short, maybe. No, but I mean, the length of the book, you know, you have to, you, you have a lot to weigh against one scene. Whereas Lolita is just like, has actually quite a bit of perversity in it, um, specifically in dealing with, I think it's a 12-year-old girl. We're not talking about Lolita. It's very controversial. It should be. I know it's, it's, I think it was, I think the, who directed Lolita? Was it Kubrick? Oh yeah, it was Kubrick that did but the it, original. But you think it would be Polanski. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Moving on from that, are there any other negatives you can think about with the book? Not really. Pretty much, I think, edited it could be edited down quite a bit mm -hmm. um, until tell a really impactful story. But it's a book. It's supposed to take its time. You're supposed to get your money's worth. It's a whole different process. You you don't read a book in a couple hours usually, and I don't think you can read that book in a couple hours, but you take your time. It's a trip you go on. Right. No, I get that. That That's part of the medium of uh, it being literature. Uh, I guess I just wish that that it wasn't so goddamn long. It feels like there are, in the book, you get this feeling that, like, Mike is, there's a lot going on before Mike makes that initial call that you get fairly early on in the um, TV miniseries, which you get fairly early on in the second movie. Um, so, I mean, it just kind of getting to that point where Mike is like, there, there's a lot of, there's a whole lot of information, a, a chock full of just, uh, some of it could have been backstory, 
like this is the kind of shit that some people would have put in an appendix, you know, like this is the details of all these murders. It's very, it is very like, it's, it, you know, it does give you a whole lot of information. Okay. Also there's the, the, the whole plot. I mean, it's not really a plot, but there's the whole part of the book, which I believe has been, um, um, that it has been expanded on by the Dark Tower series where it deals with the uh, the turtle, you know, the cosmic uh, space turtle is how I think of him, but the force of good that's kind of balance, balanced against it as a force of evil, that's something that's actually assisting the, the uh, Losers Club in the book. It's something that they made us you know made some references to in the movie visual references but never actually a tr- they never actually tried to work that into the films and I can't really blame them it doesn't come up in the TV miniseries at all um but you know that's I I don't know if I want to say it's a negative but it's it's definitely unnecessary like if you're looking at the story and you've got the meat of the story um I think part of what makes it really scary is that you don't know that much about it. Like, you get the idea that it's alien, but you don't get that till the very end of the TV miniseries and the movie. You get the idea it's alien, you get the idea that, you know, it's somehow crashed, you know, here, and they actually do exposition that flat out says it. But there isn't this cosmic good versus evil backstory. Uh, I feel like it's unnecessary, and I think it kind of dilutes some of the the horror in the book. That's and, just me. Yeah, and how much of that is how how much of that is just Stephen King's writing style versus like you know things that was actually plotted out completely. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's something to mention, and I th- well, maybe we've mentioned it before, but listen. Um, it was written over the course of four years, which is a, that's a long time for Stephen King. Stephen King is such a prolific writer. It seems like he could do he could bang out two books a, a year. Um, there are a handful of people who can do that regularly. Um, so the fact that it took him so long with it he i just have to assume it's because he was telling this big complex story from multiple viewpoints and with all of these characters um i just have to assume a lot of that was in editing whatever it was he wrote and probably like in my mind i don't know if this is true and i'm sure we could we could we could dig into it and find some interviews and you can always visit On Writing. He, I'm sure he talks about it in On Writing, which I have read, but it's been some time. On Writing being the book Stephen King wrote on writing. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was um, probably banged out in as, in as short of time as you could bang out something so large. And the the years of work after that were probably in editing and revisions and trying to work it into something that would be publishable. And we did get something publishable. And like I said, some people think it's his best work, but at the same time, it's like, um, I mean, it does feel a little cocaine fueled. And I don't want to say that as like, you know, we're being super sensitive about people's cocaine usage these days. And I get that because of addiction. Uh, but, uh, but you know, it's, 
it's still kind of funny that a whole generation just did a bunch of coke and and played amazing baseball and uh, and wrote really crazy but pretty good fucking stories. Um, you know what? Our our generation doesn't have that. No, we don't have a David Bowie, Thin White Duke. You know. Yeah, our, you know what? If if what I mean, really, the most prevalent drug now, I guess, is prescription. Um, I guess we it was going to be maybe it was meth, but I think prescription medic uh, pain medication, um, oxy uh, cotton. Which, by the way, oxycotton is oxycodone that release has a slow release on it. Yeah, the more you know. Uh, I think that's true. I said it, so you know, maybe it's true. But um, the uh, point is, is nobody's gonna do meth and take oxycotton and like write some great literary work. Um, I mean, maybe meth, maybe meth, maybe you write meth and you. I mean, maybe you do a bunch of meth and you write you write a bunch of stuff because you've got a lot of energy, but it, but I just don't think you, um, I don't think you write like this great masterpiece, no great music on meth, you know, nobody's playing. I'm sure a lot of people are playing baseball on meth because, you know, baseball love to just swap out their, uh, their, 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 their drug addictions every few, few decades. But, uh, but I'm, I'm sure they're not playing great baseball on meth. I mean, cocaine made you really good at baseball. Just look into it. There's just, just some great stories. How did we get on this? So, what are the uh, the cons of the TV miniseries? Uh, the cons of the TV miniseries. Uh, I guess the big one would be it is somewhat limited by the budget. It has like visually, it has a flat kind of feel to it. It has the fade in and fades out for 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 commercial purposes. Um, you at no point watching it. I mean, if you don't know, it's a made-for-TV mini series, and it was two episodes, so it's barely even a mini series. It's like it's the literal shortest amount of episodes you can have, and still call it a mini series. It's really just a two-part movie, TV movie. But I mean, it's it it it's you know, it has to deal with the fact that uh, you know it's got to scare some, give you deliver a scare before commercial break. You know, so I mean, it, there, there's some there's some problems with that. Uh, the the uh, a lot of the special effects don't hold up. That's a, another thing, which is probably not just budget related, but it's also an indicative of the time. Um, a lot of practical effects are great in the '80s, but not for TV. They they're not. So um, I don't know. What, what is there anything you can think of? I mean, yeah, I think I think. With respect to most of the actors, I mean, I think there's there's a kind of campiness to some of the some of the the actors. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that's a problem. Um, I, I guess I can I can understand how that could be a negative. Um, yeah, I mean the 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 overall like swinging swing for the fences uh, style that Tim Curry brings for Pennywise works. Because it's so over the top, because you could believe that like a clown is trying to get, you know, use these vaudeville routine jokes to, uh, to, you know, that are kind of like hack jokes and he's being over the top goofy in an attempt to be funny. That's very in line with the, the, what he is before he becomes genuinely terrifying, which he does do also. Um, so it works with him. There are some characters where the 
they they're acting in they are a little camp campy with the way that they're they're doing it uh the adult richard toz richie tozier um and you know i'm sorry i can't remember his name i know he's a famous uh actor comedian i know he was on night court but i didn't watch night court and i'm sure it was hilarious but i didn't and so i don't just off the top of my head remember his name um but yeah, he's a little over the top. But you know what? There's a lot of grounded actors too. Like the the uh, the guy who plays Mike is doing a great job. Uh, there's a few there's a few moments from uh, oh, what's his name who plays who played John Boy. It's just John Boy. We're gonna call him John Boy. John Boy is his name. John Boy. Um, that are a little bit you know they're a little bit campy, but you could almost chalk that up to him just being kind of a doofus. Like he has a ponytail. <laughs> Yeah, that's. I mean, that's kind of indicative of the time, but at the same, it's a, at the same time, I just don't get it. Who plays his wife, by the way? Oh, uh, what's her name from Black Christmas? Yeah. Oh, it's is it his wife? Bar- Barbara is his girlfriend. I think it's his girlfriend. Yeah, it's his girlfriend. Interesting fact in the book, uh, that whole th- scene where, like, okay, you know, in the TV miniseries, he. Puts her on the silver of the bike and they drive down. I don't think that happens in the she book. She like gets her memory back and it's all like everything's happy. Yeah, that does. I don't think that happens in the in the book. And maybe there's another thing too, where in the movie they try. I mean, the TV miniseries they're trying to wrap everything up, and they don't they don't leave you with any of the the negative consequences of this. Like, if you have something terrible, an ordeal. Eddie dies, doesn't he? Spoilers. Yes. Spoilers. Yes. It's the saddest part. But even that's kind of like, oh, man, Eddie died. But then like five minutes later, everyone seems to be pretty cool with everything. Yeah. You remember how he's still living with his mom in the TV miniseries? Yeah, good point. He didn't have anything to live for anyway. That's a whole other character. Um, It's his wife in the book. And uh, she's just a lot like his mom, kind of. Why would you ever want to go back there? Yeah. Yeah. And what's with the weird limo driver that's like, one, very clearly his employee, but two, like his best friend, I guess. I don't know, because he's breaking his fucking balls while they're driving. It's like, motherfucker, you don't, you work for me. Shut the fuck up and drive. I mean, it's, don't be an asshole. It's Eddie. Eddie just takes shit. He just takes shit. shit. He just takes that's shit. Just, it's hard to believe that he actually became somewhat successful. No, but they, they all, that's the thing that's, is they all become successful. That's the point. Yeah, they all all had success. Mike makes the point of saying he does he doesn't really become successful. But but he holds down the fort, he's the uh light keeper, the um the watcher, the uh I mean but to be yeah, fair Stephen King loves his being archetypes, a, good point. Being a librarian is is pretty fucking good gig in my opinion. I think so. I I do too. Um if I if I was a librarian and I had keys to the library and I could just go at any point in time, I mean, I'd be like, sorry, wife and kids, got to go to the library. And I'd just make shit up. And then I'd go to the library and read. I'd be like, I'd love to be at home helping with the kids, but I can't be. Library business, that, that would be my whole life. You can move to a castle halfway around the world, but you can't, you can't go to the library. Well, the, the castle has a library. It does. I've seen it. Of course, in, in different places. Yeah, it moves around. I'm, I'm beginning to think that we're dead, 
But then uh, I, I was wrong about Lost, so we're prob- probably wrong about that, too. I have a theory about Lost. Like, we're going to take two seconds. I think that that was pretty much what they were riding towards, even though I know it's the mystery box thing. I think they were like, fuck it, they're all dead. And then, like, this, this is going to be so great. And then people figured it out, like, season one. And they were like, fuck, what we going to do now? So they're like, what if we send them on a never-ending quest of codes and shit that correspond unless you pay attention and then none of it makes any sense. And then we wrap it up and none of it makes any sense almost. The characters you love, so they don't have to live. They can leave the island, come back, turn around. We're off topic. <laughs> no, it's you know, it, it, but for those of you who are, aren't familiar with the mystery box thing, um, that's a theory of... Uh, of story writing which is not a good theory of story writing it's good for television and it's only good for like it's 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 only good in a short term and it's it's a kick the can kind of situation where you create a mystery box that people get interested in or invested in opening and you don't let them open the mystery box obviously because that's what's drawing them to the story but right. then you start setting up other mystery boxes, and here's the deal. It's a kick-the-can situation because uh, by the time you get a little ways in, you're going to have to start opening some fucking mystery boxes, and they better make some goddamn sense. Otherwise, you have just been like – you just – I like to say you were just jerking off, but it's more like you just grabbed the audience's dick and ran off with it to somehow use that to wind our way back. The uh, – the miniseries resolves everything. And the, it does it well. And it does it well. Any other, what, before we move on, any other negatives you can think of? You kind of mentioned the, the low budget stuff. I think it works for it as much as it hurts it in certain situations. But yeah, I think you're right. It does, it does hurt it. Some of my favorite scenes um, in the movie are, I like the idea of the Chinese restaurant scene. <laughs> but it kind of looks goofy the way they did it. So. Yeah. Do you think they did a better job at the the chi- Chinese uh, the Chinese restaurant scene in the the movie, the second movie? Sure. I mean the special effects. Well, I guess we're moving into the negatives of the uh, the the two movies. Then. Yeah, that's how we segue, Clint. Watch a pro do it. What on earth does a motorized scooter from circa 2012 have anything to do with this movie? You're a goddamn idiot. Isn't it weird that Segways existed and now they kind of, they were really popular? I mean, I remember when I was in college, there were like university police on them. (laughs) And then like people, people just all agreed at some point, like, they're not really cool. Yeah, I think the peak cool, the peak uh, awesomeness of the Segway was when the the Chinese uh, security was using them at the Beijing Olympics, and they had like uh, like MP5s on on Segways. That was the coolest they ever got, and that's not even that cool. That's just kind of interesting uh, to watch as, as a visual. You yeah. know, the coolest fact I know about a Segway is the person that invented a Segway died in a freak accident on a Segway. I bet that's a lot of people's stories for inventing things. I bet that's a lot of people's stories. Like, if you invent any type of conveyance uh, or mode of transportation, I bet there's a reasonable chance you're going to die on said conveyance. Try, like, working shit out. Yeah, I haven't checked, but hang gliding, probably. Or Yeah, I just assume. I, I, I don't think, I, you know, I don't know for sure, but I assume the first person to think of a hot air balloon probably died in a hot air balloon crash. Now... 
That may not have happened, but doesn't it feel true? He didn't know about putting the sandbags on there. That's right. He didn't. He he floated all the way up into the sky. <laughs> it could happen. The oxygen got super thin. It was very cold, and he died from exposure. He was like, oh, shit. Slowly, slowly, the, uh, the balloon uh, lowered itself, but just not in time. Like that guy that sent himself up in a in a lawn chair with Okay, that's a different thing. If you're <clears throat> just now tuning in, this is the Segway podcast where we talk about all things Segway in all media and all forms and then all conveyances also. Joined as always with my co host Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow. Wait, Barry Manilow? <laughs> you put me on the spot. <laughs> I think he cares about you could have You could have said anything. Anything. All right, let's get back on topic. Okay. The negatives of the movie. Uh, you know, the second film in the movie, in some ways, you know, since that's my least favorite part of the, the, the story, and maybe this is just a negative from my own perspective so it's it's a it's you know subjective that's the weakest part of the story it's the it's you know so it for them to spend do it chronologically for them to structure it in the way they did to do the all adult uh second movie just it's not what i wanted i guess um it you know I understand why they did it. They made the first movie a standalone movie, and that was smart. Because worst case scenario, you know, if if it didn't do well enough to get a sequel, you still have a standalone movie. Um, you don't want to you don't want to Remo Williams it. You know, <laughs> Remo Williams will return it. No, he won't. <laughs> no, no, he'll never be back. No, but the, it's just that's such. I guess that's the weakest part of the story. I wasn't, I, you know, they had an opportunity, in my opinion, to spend more time uh, on the important stuff, and instead they invented some some uh, some whole new stories, um, some whole new uh, scenes that I'm not going to say they detracted, but there was more than enough material to work with, and they were they did they kind of did detract. It's like Bill doesn't need a some kid that he's trying to save. To anchor him in the whole issue of trying to stop it. It killed his younger brother, Georgie. And then he forgot about it. And then he remembered it all of a sudden. And you know what he still doesn't like? He still doesn't like it, who killed his younger brother, Georgie. Bill is the character you have to do zero fucking goose egg amount of work to get him invested in stopping it. So that was wholly unnecessary. Hey, which character was it that said, hey, promise me, guys, if it isn't dead, we'll come back and stop it? That was Bill. That was Bill. Yeah, I get it. Okay. You're just now, like, getting angry about this, too, because I, I can feel like it just, it was, I think it was weighing on you, but you you, you didn't really give it much thought yeah. until just now. It was Bill dinging me. Nope. <laughs> uh, I agree with you. They added some stuff that... I think very much detracts. Um, and speaking of adding stuff unnecessarily, speaking of um, giving someone uh, motivation of some sort or a fear of, of some sort, in this case, of, of changing, tweaking things, adding a backstory that's unnecessary in this case, um, I want to talk about Mike. Mike Hanlon. Mike, yeah, no, Mike. I, He's, yeah. 
I want to talk about Mike at the <laughs> fucking 7-Eleven down the street. He's weird and he touches the straw when he hands me my Slurpee. We're in a castle in a geographically non-specific area. Is it the Balkans? Is it the Carpathians? Is it somewhere along the Rhine? Is it in the steppes of, uh, you know, of Russia? You don't know. You don't know where we are. We don't know where we are. We don't know where we are. I'm sorry. You were saying about Mike Hanlon. Mike Hanlon. Seriously, though. Mike Hanlon in the book, in the miniseries, more so in the book, his father. Mm -hmm. His father's a farmer. Yes. In the movie, his father's not a farmer. No, he's not. His grandfather is a farmer. Yes. Mike comes to live in Derry because his parents are dead. Now, I have to tell you, it's unnecessary for him to have dead parents when he didn't have dead parents just right off the bat in the book and the miniseries. So it's they added the dead parents, which is... Unnecessary to okay. begin with. Agreed. But they had to give him some kind of fear, and they're like, it's not, you know, it needs to be something tangible, so fire. It's a giant bird, goddammit. He's that afraid of them, giant birds. Apparently not. No. It's the 80s. Mm-hmm. At that point, Sesame Street was on the air, and no one's afraid of big birds anymore. Okay? I had a dream once about Big Bird, and it was terrifying. Strangely sexual dream about Big Bird, maybe? No, it wasn't strangely sexual. It was just sexual. Yeah, it was just sexual. Look, he is. He's a big bird. What am I going to (laughs) say? But anyway, so back to the point. Mike, he doesn't need like to have a fear that's super tangible but if, if you're going to give him one fine fire but don't have his parents die in a fire but more so don't have his parents be drug addicts who die in a fire that they cause because they're crackheads it's unnecessary and the optics of it are really weird because he's the he's the african-american character yeah and they're like let's choose the worst stereotype possible that we can think of from the 80s. And and Ronald Reagan would be proud, obviously. Um, it's 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 reductive. Yeah. It's really weird. Like, yeah, I know I mean, they weren't You keep saying that. weird, but I feel like that's a euphemism for it's, racist. It's racist. It's fucking racist. It's racist, but here's the thing. I know that they didn't mean it to be racist, no. but, you know, accidentally racist. I feel like, okay, I feel like they, they thought... And I'm not defending them, but here's my like. This is me working out their their the thought process that leads to such a bad idea. Um, you know what's not? I've just decided the movies are clearly not going to going to win this uh, this little competition. We've but don't set give up. don't give the game away. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I look. It's between the book and the miniseries at this point. I'm thinking, but the first movie's fucking amazing. It is. It is. It's it's really good. And this is a part of the first movie that we're talking about. But mm, man, this just you're right though. It is it is pretty bad. It's not it's not great at all. Uh Mike is like the most important character. He like structure the the plot wise, he's the most important character. He is. Um and you realize if Mike had left Derry, none of them would have remembered and none of them would have ever gone back. And so... Yep, Stan and Eddie would be alive still. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on a second. Oh, uh, Mike. Hold you, up. Mike, yeah. you devious bastard. <laughs> no, but you, you, yeah, you make a great point. He's he's the most important character. Yes. 
But here, and sorry, this is, I, I got off topic. The, the, so their thinking, I would assume, was something like, hey, okay, it's an all-white school. There's a black kid there. The black kid has there because he went to live with his grandfather on a farm. So we're, we're doing that because we need to have an explanation for why he's there, which is kind of like a racist starting point. I keep saying racist. I don't believe it's like intentionally racist. Yeah, but like I said, accidental racism. It is. It's kind of like accidental racism. Oops, I stubbed my toe. Accident. Right. Oops. Mark I'm Twain stubbed his toe and we got put in head Wilson. There you go. A lot of, a lot of literary references lately. Yeah. Well, we supposedly, we, we supposedly we as read. read. We as read books. We <laughs> as read them good. Um. <laughs> All right. Continue because we... We got to get through this. Right. There, there can't be a third part of this. <laughs> no, there really can't be. Um, no, the point is, is like, I can understand how they could have written themselves into that corner. They start looking for motivations for the one black character to be in a, in a, surrounded by white people. Um, that's a bad starting point to begin with. And it, as we can see, it doesn't lead to good places. It leads to, it leads to unnecessary reductive uh, changes that, I mean, I can't imagine a worse, I can't imagine a worse thing to do than to take a, the one black character and to arbitrarily add a, a, his parents died in a fire because they were crackheads story and to literally take his father who was a successful farmer and a uh, war vet and a war vet and a uh and a kind of uh seemingly kind of a pillar of the community um and uh and then reduce him to a off-screen um you know death because of drug addiction yeah, that's just a really, really bad idea. You know, I, and it got, how did it get through dude, so was, many people in fucking 20, what was it, 19? Yep, I was going to say that. Yeah. 2017. How does it get, how does it get through? Yeah, no one checked the work. It was like, you know, it was like me doing math back in, in school. No one checked the work. Honestly, I think it came, like, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt like you did. I think they were trying to flesh the character out, which you don't need to do because yeah. Mike shines in the second part. Yes. As an adult. Mike shines as an adult. I love Mike. He doesn't join I, the Losers Club immediately. Yeah, he's a, he's a latecomer to the Losers Club, the last member of the Losers Club. But he's he becomes the most important member in, as an adult, because he never leaves. Yeah, he never leaves. But beyond that, it's because he's. I mean, how cool is it in the miniseries when you see Mike and he's got his fucking collar up and he's bogarting the fucking just, just like, and he doesn't trust any of the locals because he knows they've just been turning their heads, and that's what they because that's what the kids realize eventually. They're like, the parents somehow they knew something was wrong, and everyone just kind of looked the other way. Yeah, th that's a good thing too. Is like it's kind of ambiguous about whether or not the adults look the other way, or if they're compelled by it to look the other way, or if it's a little bit of both. And that's probably the truth. It's a little bit of both. Um, but listen, Mike is such a cool character. He's a great character, and we don't want to see him done dirty. 
and he was done dirty. <laughs> he was done dirty. <laughs> um, no, I. Well, that's my biggest gripe. I just want to. I think we're through that. Yeah. Well, one more big thing. Not not to pile on. I'm losing my voice. This thing's too <clears> goddamn long. This is definitely two parter. There's no question about that. Um, pile on. Go ahead. Yeah. Pile on. Pile on. <laughs> It's too late. Keep it's going. too fucking late. Um, the only, like, the one thing that I don't want to pile on, the one gripe I have uh, that we haven't mentioned is, um, and I, maybe I have mentioned it already, but when we talked about the CG and the big effects, uh, the part of the movies, you know, I, I don't, I think it, it really pulls you out because you, you're not, at no point do you feel like you're watching a movie when you see those, those effects, you look, you think, you know, it's kind of a cartoon. It's a, it's a, millions of dollars cartoon um the effects so heavily relied on nowadays they definitely have become a tool to tell almost any type of story but they haven't gotten to the point where they blend seamlessly with the with what's what's uh shot and it's probably good because if they ever get to that point you're going to see films that are wholly created with uh fucking um, with uh, computer-generated actors. Computer-generated actors. You got to have something to anchor it, something tangible, something, you know, by the time you get to the last few scenes of, of It Part 2 or It Chapter 2, um, man, it's just, it's, it's, there's nothing on screen with the exception of those kids that are, that's real. And, um, I don't know, that's, that's, uh, like, it's like, look, we all enjoyed fucking Avengers. Uh, we all enjoyed fucking the Avengers. <laughs> we all en- we all enjoyed Endgame because it was the end. Um, but, uh, but you, you know, it's a little bit much. It's like, it's, it's a fucking cartoon at that point. You know, when you get, when it's all, you just got CG people in a CG environment and eh, who fucking cares? You might as well be watching, you might as well be watching fucking uh, Scooby-Doo. Yeah, you might as well be. Which one? Uh, Zombie Island, obviously. Oh, good. I thought you were yeah. going to go with one of the live-action movies. Uh, no, no. What was the second one called? Monsters Unleashed. Monsters Unleashed. Shouldn't it, been, shouldn't it have been called Monster Island or something? That would have made more sense. Right. Well, I think, you know, here's the thing about Monster Unleashed <laughs> is that uh, um, you don't need to unleash monsters. By their very nature, they haven't been leashed. <laughs> You don't even need to watch the movie, and I'll do you. I'll do you a solid, guys, and ruin it for you right now. It's Scrappy Doo. That's the first movie. Fuck! What movie did I watch? You watched the first one. The first one. Oh, well, it's, it's bad. It's too. The one where they're on the island. That was so bad. But not Zombie Island. Where that's not even an island. It's like it's just a. I guess it's kind of an island, it's just but in it, the bayou, isn't it? Yeah, it's in the bayou. It's an island. No, you gotta get there by ferry. It's an you island. have to get there by ferry, but it's over through a swamp. It's yeah, not but like in the wetlands. Everything's an island. Yeah, that's the thing. You know why? The fuck. All all you need to know is Scooby Doo on Zombie Island is the best of the Scooby Doo animated movies, and the worst is its sequel, Return to Zombie Island. I don't know who made it, but if I ever meet them and then they tell me they made it, I'm going to punch them in the face with a roll of fucking No, my worst, does that include all the crossovers? Oh, yeah. Still. It's still the worst. So, who do we think won this? Well, uh, it's not the movies. And look, I like the movies. 
the the second one's watchable. The first one's in its own. It's good. I enjoyed it a lot. I'll watch the second one, but I'm pretty much just watching it because I like Bill Hader. It's kind of between the miniseries, which I, I have a lot of love for, and a lot of there's a lot of nostalgia, and the book, which I I personally think is structured the best. You know, it's imaginative. Just all of the things it can do that the story, the you know, the other media, mediums can't. Yeah, in hindsight, it feels a little unfair to pair the book up against the two movies, or the the two movies and the miniseries. I mean, as far as just realization of a kind of a story, it's just hard to beat a book. Yeah, you know, I I thought I was gonna say that Pennywise to me is Tim Curry. Now you would think that that means I'm choosing the miniseries, that it's the one that wins out, but that's not the case. I think the book has to win out. So if you were to say. Who gore it better? You would say. I would say that's one too many puns. We probably should have said who wore it better and then made this about, you know, the two actors who played it. I would say that it, the book, gore it better. I agree. The miniseries is fantastic. I think if you're going with rewatchability, obviously, like, I'm not going to read the book. It took me a long time to solve it. And you read The Stand. I love the stand, man. I just think it's the character. Look, we, you know, we're not talking about the stand right now. <laughs> Don't bring the stand into this because I think the stand works as a really long uh, narrative. And I think, obviously, I think the finale of the stand is really explosive. But um, you can't hear me shaking my head right now, but I'm doing it. I for rewatchability, the miniseries is great. I can always watch the miniseries, but I'm just gonna watch part one, you know. And I may sometimes watch part two. And with the same thing with the movies, if I watch rewatch the movies, I'll probably watch one, and I may watch two, but I'm mostly gonna probably want to watch the first one. So you're saying also the book? I think the book has to win, and you know, I think it was I think it was really unfair of you to put it, those the the movies up against. Okay, the book. well, fine then, motherfucker. Let's just say the miniseries against the movies. I think the book wins. What? Well, you know, there's one thing you haven't considered, Kurt, and that's the 52-episode Indian adaption, uh, Woe, which is uh, not 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 uh, official yeah, in there, any capacity. I'm, yeah, there's a there's a Hindi version. Yeah, television series. Yeah. I've never seen it. I've heard about it. Oh, I'm trying to find it. I'm doing everything I can to find it. It's like... and but I'll tell you one thing. If I can find it, we're going to watch it. And if we watch it, we're going to review it. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. However many fucking episodes that no. takes, we're going to do it. Let's Setting that aside, for now, we're closing the book on it. So, I'm here at the castle. We're saying that just like in most cases involving it, the second part really is worse.